The Wicked Smart Sportscast is brought to you by SunmaxBatteries.com as always. Sunmax Batteries offers a full line of super heavy duty, ultra alkaline, lithium, and button cell batteries. Guys, like I said, Mother's Day is now right around the corner. What if you got your mom, I, I don't know, what, what, let's, you, let's say you got your mom some tech. Maybe your mom's a really tech person. You got her a nice little device that she can use. You know, while she's jogging or something like that, nice little, you know, rate portable radio, something like that, something, something she can use, all right? That, and you look at it today and you realize, oh no, it needs batteries. And I didn't get any batteries for it. You can't give her it when it's not even going to work, okay? You need to get her some batteries for that device. And the best place to go to do that is sumxbatteries.com. You can even give her the batteries as a little bonus part to the gift. That Because guess what? They're cheap and they're useful because she's going to use these batteries. Whether it's flashlight, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke lamps, whatever device it is that you need a battery for, Sumx Batteries has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries. Pick your choice, whatever, AA or AAA. And they're good for telemotes, good for anything, for only $5.99. 24 batteries, only $5.99, or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline idea for gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON, all the case, BOSTON at checkout, and save 20% off those prices. Okay, that's insane. That's coupon code BOSTON at checkout, all the case, at, at, and save big today. Semixbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports, guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast, episode 98 of the podcast. Uh, I'm just going to lead off the top by saying here, congratulations to the Bruins for advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. Very exciting. Um, And I also want to say that I'm planning on doing a larger episode of the Celtics once they're finally eliminated by Giannis, even though uh, right now it's just, uh, you know, essentially eliminated because they're down... 3-1, 3-1, not looking good in that series. Uh, but this week, in the midst of all the playoff madness, we're going to talk about the Patriots because OTAs are starting up. The offseason is now, for the most part, over. I think we can say over. It might, you know, a few moves might be coming, but basically the, the bulk of the offseason with the draft, with free agency, that's all done. So we're going to talk uh, about the Patriots, you know, and with the Bruins and the Celtics, the series pretty much already over. This presents a perfect opportunity to take a look back and evaluate the roster changes the Patriots have undergone through free agency, through the draft, and discuss the outlook of the team. And joining us to have that discussion is 99.7 WPRO producer. I don't think I said that last time. I think this is the last time we did the podcast. That's a new little title. And host of the Stadium Experience, which you can and should listen to on Wednesdays from 4 to 6 on 90.7 WXIN. Jake Elmsley. Jake, welcome back to the show. Yes, no, I, I, I'm happy to come here, and uh, you know, I'm glad we're not lamenting the Celtics because I feel like I need to keep all my bullets on the chamber for that for tomorrow. But yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, nice, nice. I need something to distract me. I need something to take take me off the ledge. Uh, yeah, I'm already off the ledge, buddy. I, I don't know what I I, I, I don't want to talk. You know, what? we're gonna talk about it next week, so I don't I want to save it. But if you guys didn't hear, um, I, I had the pleasure of being on Jake's show about two weeks ago uh, yes. for a six-person mock draft show. The mock draft spectacular. The mock draft spectacular, of course. <laughs> it it might have been the craziest mock draft that, that has ever been done in in mock draft history. Uh, things got pretty crazy. I think. Ben Roethlisberger ended up on the Patriot Patriots in that mock draft. Yes, as a tight end. Yes, right as a tight end. Yeah, right. Um, as I said, the craziest mock draft in history. So, uh, but it was an absolute blast, and it's fitting, Jake, that I go on your show to do some pre-draft coverage, and now you come here. We're going to do some post-draft coverage. So let's start there. You know, just to name a few, the Patriots select wide receiver Nikhil Harry, defensive back Juwan Williams in the second round. You know, third round edge rusher Chase Witnovich, running back Damian Harris, and then. 
Of course, quarterback Jared Stidham, the next Tom Brady, as I've been told. Uh, and are, But, you know, really that's all the players worth mentioning there. So what did you make of the Patriots draft? What stands out about their group of draftees to you? Well, you see, there's a lot you want to talk about when you talk about this draft class. And I've talked about it before, but basically the Patriots did not do a lot this offseason. Or at least up to the, they did not do a lot in free agency. Because obviously the offseason is one huge cumulative thing. But they, did, they didn't do a lot in the offseason. Some people wanted to pick on them for that, but I didn't. Not necessarily because I don't believe that you can, but more because the Patriots, they were coming into this draft. They had a lot of draft picks. I believe they had 12 picks coming into the draft. They made uh, like 10... It's like they have a lot of picks. There's a, they have a lot of hole. A lot of the thing positions that they have holes at are plentiful in this draft. So I I will evaluate their offseason more holistically. It's not saying that there couldn't be a year. Like last year, I was kind of on them for not doing a lot in the offseason because I didn't feel like the draft necessarily was an avenue for them to fill their bigger holes. Turns out I turned out being relatively wrong without the season ended. But still, this year I was coming to the draft. I'm like, I want to see because I feel like this draft can do a lot for this team. And... Coming out of the draft, first off, there's some picks I love. There's some picks I'm so-so on. There's some picks I don't like. But from a holistic perspective, the Patriots were able to plug a lot of their roster holes in this draft. They weren't able to plug everyone, which you're never going to do in one draft. And, you know, some of these picks inevitably won't work out. Or some of the ones that you thought wouldn't work out will actually turn out having a you know bigger role than I, than at least I see them as having right now. But they, were, they made some picks I liked. They were able to fill... Some of the holes, I think, were really big for this team. So, I mean, definitely, I feel better about this team coming out of the draft than I did going in. But there's one thing you said that I do kind of disagree with. The offseason is still not over. Tomorrow, May 8th, is the day that free agent signings stop counting against the compensatory pick formula, which the Patriots and Bill Belichick manipulate more than anybody. And the rest of the league is only very recently catching up to them on that, so I don't want to get into, I know we have the veteran, I don't want to get into the veteran free agents out there yet before we get into the draft picks, but there is still time and there is still now kind of another wave of free agency coming. So like I said, and the Patriots have never done adding, like they'll make mid-season acquisitions and there'll be guys who end up playing big roles, but yeah, coming out of the draft, I definitely feel a lot, I feel good. Like I said, there are picks we'll get into that I didn't like, but I feel good about the roster as it is right now, or at least better. Yeah, the veteran free and signing point is is a great one, and you know I, I don't know where they'll look to fill. I mean, when I look at the roster, I don't see a lot of holes. Um, I see t- obviously tight end, but there's really no tight ends left on the free agency market as far as I'm aware that that are really great. But of course, there are still some na- players out there. But I just look at their roster, and I think as you kind of hinted on there, the, the drafts, not just this year, but the last two years, because. You know, that draft class everybody mentions was so, you know, injured last season that it's basically like you have two whole new, uh, you know, this two floods of young players coming in. And really, I think that, you know, the holes that they do have outside of tight end are going to be filled by those young players, or at least, you know, they they can and should uh, get the opportunity to fill those holes. So that's why I don't necessarily view them as holes. Like, you have to give these guys the opportunities to to fill them. And I think there's a good chance they will. So, But as far as this draft goes, I like the Nikhil Harry pick. I actually wrote about him pre-draft as, you know, one of the five players that I thought the Patriots should target at that pick. And once the pick came around, he was, you know, one of only two players on that list left available. So I was very happy to see them pick him. And I kind of loosely compared him in that article to DeAndre Hopkins, who was drafted in the same range, to be fair, best you know, arguably best wide receiver in the NFL. So I don't want to make the expectations too high, but yeah. 
um, you know, no, ju- a big jump ball specialist. I get your point. Right. Yeah. Well, at the time, DeAndre Hopkins was drafted. He was a similar prospect for sure. Um, and, you know, Hopkins is a guy that has had great success with former Patriots offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien. So I think that definitely played a little bit into their thinking there with Harry, you know, because he is really a seamless fit. I mean, they love receivers. They can produce yards after the catch. And Harry, of course, is one of the best draft prospects you'll be able to find in that category. Um, And, you know, so I I really love that Harry pick. And I think he could have an immediate impact on the team. Yeah, I I worry about that. I mean, just the fact the immediate impact just because of the lack of history of rookie receivers producing with Tom Brady and with the Patriots. So I love the pick. I mean, I absolutely love the pick. I'm so ha- I'm just happy that it was a pick that made my stupid football fan brain excited. But no, like I I love the pick. Like I've watched some highlights of this guy. Like the way he catches the ball, like he clamps down on the ball. Like when you watch yeah. highlight, like he catches the ball and you can hear his hands coming down in it. So that's awesome. Like I do worry. Like he definitely does fill a role. He definitely does have like what at least I think is a defined role in this offense. Like obviously they need some size just at the skill positions. Don't want to say necessarily at wide receiver, at tight end, because, you know, some people will also be quick. Because, like I said, he is a jump ball specialist. He's a big guy. He's a guy who will get yards after the catch. So there's definitely a role for him there. Like I said, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't, I, can, I can't see a rookie ride wide receiver coming in and catching 60, 70, 80 balls from Tom Brady just because I've never seen it. But also, it's the first first round rookie he's had. And obviously, they think highly of him. So, I mean, I hope that he has an impact. And if he is early on the sort of player that I hope he can be, then, I mean, that definitely does go a long way in kind of solidifying the wide receiver depth chart. Yeah, and that's that last point you made that I want to hit on, which is that, you know, people always look at their draft history with wide receivers and say they can't draft the position, and, you know, it's it's scary the fact that they're taking one in the first round after, you know, their track record of that spot, but, I, I, but the way I look at it is they've never spent draft capital this high on a receiver, which means that, A, they've never had one with as good a chance to hit as this guy, and B, you know, that they never liked a player as much as they like this guy. I mean, the highest receiver I think they've drafted before him is like Aaron Dobson in the second round. And, you know, you look at the receivers they drafted, and it's just not, no high-profile guys. This guy was a high-profile guy. Some argued the number one receiver in the draft. And I'm not saying that is it like that. That was a very uh, popular sentiment that Nikhil Harry was the best receiver in the draft. It wasn't, you know, here and there. He, he was a consensus guy on a lot of boards, especially going into the draft process. After it got a little bogged down with 40 times and all that stuff, he dropped a little bit, but uh, and on some boards at least. But yeah, I, I mean, I think he's going to be a great player. And the other thing about this receiver draft class, I think you'll hear a lot of people say was that it was a weak receiver draft class. I mean, I couldn't disagree more. I think the reason that you didn't see receivers drafted higher this year and you saw them falling is because there was such depth at the position. It was, it, I mean, it was insane how many really good receivers there were. I mean, uh, you look how many went in the second round. It's ridiculous. You're talking about, you know, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, obviously, Andy Isabel, just a whole flood of receivers, AJ Brown, all these guys. It was ridiculous how many went in the second round. And that's kind of what I thought was going to happen because there were so many good ones that the t- that teams would look at and say, well, we can wait and get this guy in the second round, draft someone you know better in the first round, and you know we can still get a really good receiver in the second round. And I kind of thought that's what would happen. But, I mean, there is value still with the Patriots in getting the top guy and not let, not saying, well, we can get you know that guy uh, and we can get a guy like this in the second round because Nikhil Harry, the fact is, has a better chance to hit than most of these other guys. So uh, I do really like the pick. I think it'll work out. Um, overall, their draft was good. I think the picks they most of the picks they made were I, I liked them. They were good. Um, they got a lot of top end talent, but what I'm most curious about is how Jawan Williams and Duke Dawson coexist. You know, Duke Dawson, of course, 
the Patriots' second-round pick corner uh, last year, and the Patriots already have Jason McCourty at the position, J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, they're set at corner. So I would assume— Well, one of- here's the thing about that pick, because I've been thinking the same thing, because that was, that was the pick that kind of— that I've deliberated over the most, I guess, because that's the pick that I kind of keep going back and forth on. To start off, to preface it, I love Jawan Williams as a player. Like, it says nothing to do with me not liking the player. Which sometimes me not liking the pick has me not, not like a player. I also think the second round, that's a fine place to draft a cornerback. No, it, it does come down to what the need and what the fit is on this team. Because obviously I made the trade and my first instinct was, oh, they're doing this to draft Irv Smith. And then they don't. I also didn't love yeah. the price they paid to move up. I don't like really trading third-round picks if you can help it. I think that those are picks that, in the third round, you can still be snagging starters. But at the same time, they still made three of them. So right. I'm not playing too much. That being said, the more I've thought about it, at least from what I can eye, the plan was. Because coming into this draft, I, I agreed with you. I was like, well, they're set at cornerback. They have five guys there. I can't imagine they're going to add another guy or at least spend significant draft capital on a guy. That being said, Juwan Williams... He does fit seemingly what their molds kind of been the last few years. They've, they've been gravitating towards these bigger, longer corners in Stefan Gilmore, in J.C. Jackson. So I, there was a part of me that was kind of expecting that, if anything, they were going to draft a safety in this draft, just kind of start developing to maybe be their next guy with McCourty getting older, with Chung being hurt right now and him also getting older. But that being said, something I've noticed and something that's been pointed out to me by some people is that it seems like maybe what might be their plan there is that they're actually converting Duke Dawson to a safety. He's listed on the team website currently as a safety. Yeah. And if that's the case, that kind of fills that developmental safety role need for me. And then if you draft another corner, then you know, I still don't think I still don't think it was a huge position of need. But if they really just thought that Joe Juwan Williams was a first round caliber player or that it was just they had him so high on their board that they had to jump on him, then you know what? Fine. Then like I can accept that pick. Yeah. No, I, and I assume, I, I was just going to say, I would assume one of these guys moving to safety. But one of the things you kind of hit on there is that they might have had a first round go down, great in Jawan Williams. And the story that we heard was that they were kind of grappling with who do we pick, Nikhil Harry or Jawan Williams with the first round. So, hey, if you can get both of your targets in the first round in the draft and you can snag one of them in the second round, you have to trade up to do it. Um, I at least think that's, you know, a, a good value there. But it's all about, you know, they did they overvalue the player? We don't really know. So, but I do like that kind of aspect of it. Yeah, but- like, like that, that pick did not make me jump out of my seat. Like I went, oh. And but like, as I've thought about it more, like I said, it 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 makes more sense to me. And like, and like one of my biggest things I try to remind people of when we talk about draft coverage and when I'm talking about draft coverage is that in the end, when I'm doing these mock drafts or we're evaluating if guys got deals or not, we don't know these teams' boards, and that obviously has a lot to do with when they're picking players, and I guess in a way, how unless you just hate a player, you just love a player, but how you should maybe evaluate at least like their decision-making process. Yeah. Because if I think they're reaching for a guy, and then somehow I found out that they know they're reaching for a guy, then yeah, I don't like that. But like I said, if Juwan Williams was just this prime stud guy in their eyes, then you know what? Like, there's a bad history with the Patriots and second-round D-backs. That's probably what the number one negative reaction for me was. Just, oh, oh great. Like, they get, they get me all excited by doing a new exciting thing in the first round. They draft a wide receiver. They never do that. And then, oh, now they're back to their old tricks. Drafting D-backs in the second round nobody was thinking of. Right. And, you know, and you were right. I, I think that it's obvious that it, it, one of these guys needs to move to safety, just positionally. I mean, the only position in their secondary that you can even argue needs addressing is possibly McCourty's or apparent. But like I said, though, but when you look at Duke Dawson, yeah. he is... 5'11", Jason McCourt, I mean, Devin McCourty's 5'11". 
I believe Duke Dawson is actually about like five, six pounds heavier than Devin McCourty. So for some reason, I remember Duke Dawson being a smaller guy, but like the size at least is there. Yeah. And so, so I think I agree with you 100%. I think Duke Dawson's the guy there. He is on the team website as a safety. If that's their plan, then fine. Then that secondary is, they have a lot of ta- young talent in there at the least. So, you know, let's look at it. Let's, we're looking at safety. We're looking at the secondary. And we see, you know, Duke Dawson's moving over there. So you already have Harmon there. You already have Chung. Uh, you already have McCourty. So I, I kind of wonder what's going on there. You know, it is very crowded, especially with young talent. And, you know, what's the common phrase, Jake, that we always hear with Bill Belichick, how he manages the roster? Do you know, you know what the phrase I'm talking about is? I do matchups. Can't think of the. Exp- I don't know exactly what we're getting at. But he'd rather be a year early than a year late, moving off an aging right, player. Right, right, right. He traded Logan Mankins. He let Vince Wilfork walk. And Jake, it's staring us right in the face. And I'm just gonna throw it out there. Don't be surprised if Bill Belichick trades Devin McCourty this summer. Well, here's the thing about that. I think that the time for that would have been earlier. I mean, who knows? I mean, he does end up doing things like that. I do feel like like this off season was lining up. To be the time to move on from McCourty, from Hightower. Because they both had so-so regular seasons. Hightower more than McCourty. McCourty's always solid. But then the two of them did pick it up a lot in the playoffs. And personally, I don't think they're going to be moving on from either of those guys this offseason now. I don't necessarily think I'd want to see it just because it wouldn't open up cap space or anything. But it does feel like with how they were up against the cap, that maybe earlier in the offseason would have been the time to do that yeah i mean but listen i look at it i say mccordy's aging you know they extended chunk so it doesn't make sense that they move off him mccordy has a big cap number bill doesn't like that you know they've they he hasn't really so shown much interest in renegotiating we haven't heard much on that front and you know it's been a while since bill went cutthroat on a patriots mainstay i get what you're saying <laughs> that earlier in the offseason would have made a lot more sense but you know, I, I I think that he he does usually does. I mean, when did he trade Logan Mankins? I believe it was in June. I feel like June's the time we see him make a lot of these moves. You know, I think you I think you see one this year, I, or you know, a shocking roster move like Devin McCourty trading Devin McCourty. I think it could be in the cards here, especially because I mean, they could they might still be able to get a nice little return for Devin McCourty at this point, and it might outweigh the value of him just because they have so much other talent coming up at the position. Possibly, this is the last year in his deal. And I would imagine if the plan is to develop Duke Dawson, he might actually just want to take this last year to make sure that everything's there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I mean, like I said, if you asked me in December, will Devin McCourty be on the roster? I'd say 50-50 at best. And then the playoffs happen, the Super Bowl happen, and that maybe it's affecting my thinking more than it would affect their thinking. But I mean, like, I mean, anything's possible. Like I said, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. He does only have one year left on his deal, to be fair. And I don't know, you know, maybe a team would immediately be able. I, I assume it's if the team wants to sign an extension, they would probably be able to. But you know, he hinted at retirement last year before the Super Bowl, so maybe that's an issue there. I, I'm not sure, but you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily put it past a team to give up, you know, a third, maybe a second round pick if you maybe throw him a fifth in return. I mean, for a player, great locker room leader. He's been a solid safety. He's been on Super Bowl teams. You know, a team that needs someone like that, maybe the Texans, maybe the Browns, two teams that want to compete, that have a need at safety, and obviously would have to give up more, uh, considering they're both kind of contenders, for the Patriots to be interested in dealing with them, and they probably would understand that. I could see a a trade like that potentially working out between the two sides, and, you know, if you can get a return like that on Devin McCourty when you have these other guys available to take over at the position, I think it's, I mean, I think it's valuable to make that move. Possibly, I mean, uh, I mean, in all honesty, I kind of, I just, I don't feel like there's really, I don't feel like there's anybody there who's ready yet, so I 
Personally, I would. Ra- I just don't think they're gonna get a big return for Devin McCourty if they were to trade him, just because of his age, of the fact it's a one-year deal. It's effectively would be a one-year deal. I just don't think anybody's giving up a second, third-round pick for a thirty-two-year-old player at a position that. Well, I guess I can say it's been un- it's undervalued at the moment because it was undervalued last offseason. Then this offseason, you saw a lot of safeties absolutely just completely reset the market there. So I have no idea what teams think of safeties right now, but. I I don't know if we'd see if we'd see them get anything more than a late round pick, but that's completely besides the point. All right, well I, well let's see. I mean that's just speculation. I'm just saying watch watch for it. I mean they you know they have the play. They, this fits the profile of what the Patriots might do. So I'm just saying keep keep an eye on it. It's just speculation though. I, you know I don't want to fall too far down that rabbit hole. Let's look back at what the team did in free agency a little bit. Move on from the draft. Um, I'm just gonna list Jake. I'm gonna list all of the departures and arrivals. We're gonna go one by one. I'm just gonna you know profile each one. And you tell me if it's an upgrade or a downgrade for the Patriots. Simple enough. We know we'll go pretty much by positional group. Uh, does that sound good? Sure, go for it. Okay, so let's start with the easy one. Tight end. You go from Rob Gronkowski, Dwayne Allen, and Jacob Hollister. All three tight ends out the door somehow. To Austin Safarian Jenkins and Matt Lacoste. Is that an upgrade or a downgrade? Kudos to the Patriots for being able to get a return on undrafted free agent Jacob Hollister. I think that's kind of an understated thing, but they were able to bring a player in for free and then... Flipping for a pick. It was a seventh round pick, but a conditional seventh round pick, to be fair. There's a part of me that feels like people are I have to keep bringing it back to the draft, but I feel like it's all everything is one big thing. But I feel like people might be overstating that a bit, the downgraded tight end. Not that there isn't a clear one, but more they're overstating the lack of filling of it because there is no filling that hole. There's no replicating the there is no replacing Rob Gronkowski. And the smart thing to do, obviously, if you're the Patriots and they're clearly doing it, maybe they're not. But the smart thing to do, you don't then your your next goal after a generational talent in Rob Gronkowski retires is well, let's try to fill ourselves up at t- the tight end position and try to replicate what we got from Rob Gronkowski the same way we got it from Rob Gronkowski because you're not gonna do that. You're just never. You're not gonna bring in a player at that position who's gonna give you the same thing. So you have to do what the Patriots have done. A lot in their history and reformat your offense. You saw it when they went, when they had Randy Moss, when they had Wes Welker, and you had this generational talent, really two generational talents, at wide receiver. Not to, And then Randy Moss leaves, and the Patriots' response is not, okay, we need to now go find the next great wide receiver because that's how our offense works. We need to now fill, we now need to find our next Randy Moss. The option was they then brought in Gronkowski, they brought in Hernandez, they 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 reworked the whole way their offense worked because they had the talent, they saw where they had that talent, and they reworked the offense to suit that, and now that Gronk's gone and Edelman's kind of aging, you know, now we see, you know, what is the next iteration of the Patriots offense? What's the next, you know, how do they change it? And at the moment, it looks like maybe they're aiming to transition, and a lot of people, I think other people think this more than me, but maybe they're transitioning to I don't think the transition to being a running team per se, but maybe utilizing the running backs more with Sony Michelle being a first round pick this year, spending a third round pick on Damian Harris, James White still being there. So yes, the tight end position is weak right now. Maybe they could have filled it in the draft, but you know, everybody needs to remember that the plan will never at any point be find the next Rob Gronkowski because you're not going to find that. It's just add talent to your offense and Find what your new way of doing things is in the post-Rob Gronkowski world. 
Okay, so you lose Trent Brown in free agency. You bring in Isaiah Wynn. Upgrade or down? Well, bring in Isaiah Wynn. He's replacing him. Let's just say go with that. Upgrade or downgrade there? I I mean, I have no idea with Isaiah Wynn. I, I still have all the same concerns that everybody had about him coming out of the draft. Myself especially, because I'm not even sure they saw him as a tackle. Like, I'm still not 100% convinced by that. Just because of the fact that, A, his size is not... You know, he is a guard. He's shaped like a guard. And B, like I said, I brought this up a million times last year at least... The fact that they were trying to trade up for Billy Price in that same draft makes me think that they were open to adding interior O-linemen. And also the fact that they traded for Trent Brown, so I still don't know if they see him as a tackle. And now with the Achilles injury as well, that just adds another question mark. But at the same time, I wanted them to draft a tackle, kind of do at least just kind of fill up that, fill the roster and give them depth. And they did draft a third-round tackle in Yadni Cash-Joust, however the hell you pronounce his name. But that's a player that I like. That's a guy who I think you know, project a good guy for them to develop and maybe either find to fill in as that at that Lee Adrian Waddle swing tackle role, maybe develop him to be the next guy after Marcus Cannon kind of moves on because he's obviously been on the downward spiral the last couple of years just in terms of his health. Or maybe he's, you know, if he's good enough, maybe he, maybe they give him the chance to compete to be the left tackle or they move Marcus Cannon to that side and then they have, maybe they have Isaiah Wynn try to play right tackle. They have this, Castu's kid, who is more more of a tackle in terms of measurables, play on the right side. You know, it, my point is they have. I don't think it's just a matter of Trent Brown to Isaiah Wynn. I think there are a few more moving parts there, and I think they have a lot of talent at that position. Like I think that overall on the O line, they did add some talent in the draft, and I feel that's another spot that I feel a lot better about coming out of the draft. Okay, but is that? I mean, but Trent Brown. I mean, he was great last year. I mean, so is that? Is, no, yeah. If, if it's if it's just I mean Trent Brown to Isaiah Wynn will be a downgrade. Yeah. I'm just not sure if that's definitively what the plan is. I think they'll give him every chance to win that job, but I just think there are other things that they might end up doing there. And I think that overall they'll be able to get. I think just between the talent they have and between the acumen of Dante Scarnecchia, I don't think the O line is going to see a massive drop off this year. Like as an entire unit. Trey Flowers to Michael Bennett is that an upgrade or a downgrade? It's an upgrade in terms of pure pass rusher because I mean Michael Bennett is a slight, is is a better pass rusher I believe, but over I mean it's a downgrade as an overall versatile player, especially with and it's a downgrade in terms. You know, I'm not saying Michael Bennett isn't a leader, but Trey Flowers has been a leader in the system. He's been here, so I mean overall the O lines, I mean the D line has taken some hits this year. I think that you know the Chase Winovich pick is probably my favorite pick in the draft. I really like that player. I really like where they got him. I really like him as a fit for the Patriots and their system and what they like to do here as maybe a guy who can evolve into being like the next Rob Ninkovich into the next, I mean, I don't want to go and just as like the next versatile D lineman, maybe the next Trey Flowers, I mean, the next kind of tweener lineman in the Patriots system. I think he could be a guy who's here for a while. I think that their biggest hole coming out of the draft is still D tackle. I still wonder who's kind of going to plug the middle there, but I mean, I think Michael Bennett is a similar caliber player to Trey Flowers. Just his skill set is slightly different and possibly less conducive to how the Patriots typically like to use their lead linemen. Okay, so uh, another downgrade there. So that's three down, three straight downgrades there. I mean, well, see, I don't think it's like I think overall, like you see, like I I don't want to. You see, I think it's silly though to try and paint it so black and white because it's not a one to one. Because they didn't just trade for Michael Bennett and go, now you will do everything Trey Flowers does. Now it's a matter of they're going to reshuffle the way they use the entire the, the entire D line because like the O line and the O line's a little easier because it was just one player who left. But with the D line, it's a unit, and especially the entire front seven in general is a unit. So it's a matter of you know 
how does Chase Winovich play into this? Well, how does he, you know, what kind of expanded role will we see for Dietrich Wise, for Adam Butler on the O-line? They brought in Mike Pinnell, who I think actually might project as being a decent player for them. I think he's a guy who had who, who could work with an expanded role on this Patriots team. So does Derek Rivers become anything? You know, that's still a guy who was a third-round pick. How does he kind of develop? So, I mean, like, I think overall, like, the D-line, like, I feel better at that spot, maybe just with the Winovich pick. I think it does solidify a lot of things. And, I mean, Cowart, maybe he becomes something. He was a five-star recruit. Obviously, they see the talent there if they're taking him. But, you know, I don't want to get all doom and gloom on that either because I do think that, I mean, Michael Bennett is a very good player, and there are things that he's better at than Trey Flowers. I just don't have a feeling that the roster is significantly worse than it was. Yeah. Because, like I said, I feel like they have they have ways to get the production that they got out of probably their two biggest free agents that they lost. Rob Gronkowski, obviously that's going to hurt, but that was coming. I think I, I just accepted that that was coming all along. I never thought he was going to stay. And they did that. I mean, I think the wide receiver position has gotten better. I think that's one spot. The running back position seemingly, I mean, not that I even really care that much about running backs. The O-line, I think overall they've added more talent and depth to it. With their two draft picks, who are two guys I do like yeah, coming into the draft. So, like, the roster, there may have been some steps back, but overall, I just, I do feel still, I mean, I think the linebacking core, if you go to that next, I think the linebacking core will be better this coming year with the return of Juwan Bentley. Hopefully he can play a full year. Possibly with them getting something out of Christian Sam, but I'm not going to bank on that. But, I know, I mean, like, there are spots where maybe they've downgraded, but I just feel like, like, there's clearly a plan. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the plan and the plan that plan is clearly just you know influx the young talent across the roster and across a lot of those positions. And that's and that might be a good plan. But uh, yeah, the most interesting spot to me by far is tight end because it seems like they haven't done nearly enough to address that spot. Even though, like you said, I mean they they find other ways to address the roster, but still the talent specifically at that position isn't great right now. But you know, I'll float it out there. Does a Kyle Rudolph trade interest you? Because that's been a huge rumor that's been lingering since the draft, since the Vikings take took Irv Smith, who we talked about earlier. Is Kyle Rudolph a guy you, that you think the Patriots might have interest in should look at trading for? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like I, said, I mean, I know, I know, I'm trying to caution everybody about you know worrying about tight end, but in the end, like they do have very little at the tight end position. I mean, Austin Severian Jenkins is a player that I've liked for a while, but I mean, I, who, who knows if he makes a team? In all fairness, I mean, yeah, if they can bring in Kyle Rudolph and bring in a stabilizing influence to that position, just bring in a stable, productive NFL player, then yeah, I mean, they absolutely should. If if the price is right, and if you know, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, I'm not very interested in giving up assets for Kyle Rudolph. You know, if the Vikings will take a 6th or a 7th, I guess I'd do it, just because he's better than anything they have at the position right now. But, you know, I do believe all these reports that Gronk is just going to come back for the stretch run. I mean, there, there's a lot of noise there that, you know, won't seem to go away, From even from Julian Edelman during the draft. Did you see this? No. Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski did a promo during the draft for ABC, and in the promo... Julian Edelman says right into the camera while pointing at Gronk, you know, he's coming back. I feel it. And Gronk just kind of looks at the camera and kind of shrugs like, ah, and he's like smiling the, the whole time. So, you know, this thing just won't go away. I, I don't think that could influence their thinking at all. And I don't think it would. I, I just can't imagine a scenario where Bill Belichick is just kind of awaiting a guy to come out of retirement. Um, I mean, it could happen. Even if it does happen, what kind of shape is the guy going to be in? You know, where's he going to be at? Yeah, just in terms of like, playing football so I mean it could happen I don't maybe you know like obviously he deliberated it over his retirement for a long time so maybe but it's just like even if that is the case that's just another step towards you know Gronk's had one foot out the door for a while now I feel like the last couple of years 
I don't really know how I'm supposed to. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm telling you, I get the sense here that Gronk wants to play one more year, but he doesn't want to deal with training camp and the preseason and the Patriots September slumps and all that because he gets banged up really easily and he gets a lot of bruises that we don't even hear about. So, um, you know, I, I just think he wants to play and when it matters and, you know, that's what I think we're going to see. Uh, you know, however, you still need a tight end for, you know, the first eight weeks. So, uh, you know, and for 2020 on top of it, as you said, because he keeps that, he'd still, he's not going to come back beyond this season, I would think. So, you know, if they want to kick the tires on Kyle Rudolph and the price is low enough, you know, why not? He's he, he's not a great tight end by any means, but I mean, he's certainly serviceable. He's certainly capable of being a starting tight end in the league. No, I mean, I, I think you're kind of underselling the player. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is a solid player at that position. I mean, he is, you know, his production hasn't been, he only had about 600-something yards last year, but he is coming off, you know, a year ago, had eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns a year before that. Like, he is a productive player who caught 64 balls. Oh, I didn't even realize that. A guy who caught 64 balls last year. Like, that is an, he is an up, I mean, he probably is a top 10 player at that position, if anything, just because it is sort of a thin position in the NFL, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, no, like, that would be a player to bring in. It's just more my, my cautioning about tight end was more like, if the team drafts, Irv Smith, don't think of him as the next Gronk. Think of him as they're trying to get a solid starter there. And, you know, Kyle Rudolph would do that too. So, you know, if that's the plan, I mean, like, I feel better. Like, that is their probably what is their biggest need at this point filled. So, I can't think of a way to complain about it unless I just think they dramatically overcompensate the Vikings, which clearly they're not going to do. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to. They're going to overpay in a trade. And that being said, I don't think it's as likely as people are projecting it. I know people want to keep saying, oh, well, they drafted Irv Smith. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see why the Vikings would trade him. Yeah. If I'm the Vikings, yeah. unless they dramatically overpay. Because obviously you can have two tight ends who do, who want, who do also have different skill sets function together. So, I mean, I wouldn't hold my breath for it. Right. I mean, you know, but, you know, the sense we do get is that they drafted Irv Smith to move off of him. I mean, that's what Rapport was kind of uh, alluding to at the draft. And, you know, yeah, I mean, he is, he, I said he's, you know, perfectly start, serviceable as a starting tight end. He, is, he does deserve to be a starting tight end in the league. He's on the fringes there, the, the top 10 of, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, he hasn't quite lived up to exactly what the Vikings, I think, had, had hoped for him to live up to. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would like the acquisition. I just don't want to pay a lot for it. No, I get that. You know, the Vikings would, you know, it, it could benefit them to, to take him into the season and have him and Irv Smith, but we'll, we'll see what they decide to do. Um, let, let's wrap things up here with a, a few things. First, out of all the players we've been talking about, between free agency signings, trades, and draft picks, we're going to give each gift. Who, who would you say the Patriots' best offseason acquisition is? Maybe your favorite, biggest loss, either, you know, via free agency or retirement, and worst offseason acquisition. A trio of titles there to hand out. So who, who would you have at each of those spots? I mean, obviously the biggest loss for this team is Rob Gronkowski. I mean, like, you know, Trey Flowers and Trent Brown can also go right up there with him. But it's just Rob Gronkowski in terms of a guy who is a, you know, on the field, obviously the best player of his position at all time. His connection with Brady, I mean, he definitely did decline down the stretch. But still, I mean, that just, you know, once again, a guy who is very, 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 who is impossible to replace. That, that guy, you know, in the end, you can replace Trent Brown. You can replace Trey Flowers. You, you cannot replace Rob Gronkowski because there's never been and there never will be another Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to talk about what just a heart, you know, you can't scheme up a way to replace that player. So that, and also just, you know what, even in terms of just, you know, one of the faces of the team for so long, like that is, as a fan, as a casual fan, as a huge fan, like that is, that's the biggest loss for this team. I think it's, I think that's fairly indisputable, but I mean, favorite players, they've, I mean, 
best move they've made. I mean, the Michael Bennett trade, that feels like a classic Patriots trade. That was a guy that I don't think any of us were even really thinking of as available, but just, you know, it's it's that kind of Belichick trade where you never thought about it, but the second he made it, you're like, that makes all the sense in the world. Oh, my God. All of us idiots who are out here writing all these articles about, like, Patriots targets and guys they should go after. Nope, the guy none of us even ever began yeah. the thought of. Perfect. Makes all the sense in the world. Great. If Trey Flowers stays, great. If Trey Flowers leaves, like, so almost that one just for, like, my reaction to it. I mean, like I said, I mean, Mike Pinnell, I think there are people who are fans of him. I'm happy with that pick. I mean, there are a lot of draft picks I like. I mean, Chase Winovich, like I said, I think feels like a huge deal for this team. Right. I think where they got him relative was, I mean, also I love the Nikhil Harry pick. It's just, I guess I, w- I want to like a later round pick more so I can look smart is what it is. I mean, you know, they brought in Jake Bailey, who was a first round talent in the fifth round. That's a good one. But yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot to like with what they've done in the offseason. I mean, like I said, it was a slow, this offseason's kind of been a slow burn for the Patriots, seemingly by design. And like I said, I mean, it's not over yet. You know, as of tomorrow, they can start signing guys again. And I expect that they will start signing veterans again. Because like I said, I mean, like, like Belichick has nailed this comp pick formula. Because you look at it, and I was reading because nobody knows the exact formula. I mean, no, nobody but Guys can project it, and seemingly guys who are smarter than me do a decent job projecting it with fairly certain accuracy. And you look at it, and the Patriots, they only have their own draft picks next year, to my knowledge, except maybe like a stray seventh or sixth there. But with the offseason they've had, the Patriots, the way they've done it, they're going to get two more third-rounders next year. They're going to get one for Trey Flowers. They're going to get one for Trent Brown. And... I feel like they filled those holes decently between the draft and guys they had coming up or guys that they traded for. So, I mean, honestly, like, Belichick kind of nails that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you 100% nail that stuff. I mean, I'll go with my guys. My, I, I'm going to go with Nikhil Harry as their, my favorite pickup, that I think their best pickup. You know, I just, like I said, I think he's the most talented player they brought in. I think he's going to have a massive opportunity to contribute right away. And, you know, as I said, I think he's a perfect fit for their offense. So, I think at least production-wise, he's their base acquisition. I think Flowers is actually, I'm going to say, the biggest loss. I mean, he was... The best or second best player on that defense. And, you know, Gronkowski, huge in the playoffs, of course, but it makes some big catches. But he wasn't that productive last year. He had a very, very down year. Only one touchdown, right? The whole season. So I just think from a talent perspective, um, as far as what they did last oh, sure. season, uh, Flowers is the biggest loss they had there. I know you said Gronkowski, absolutely, from a, a team standpoint. Certainly a merchandise standpoint, a uh, bigger loss. But I'm going to go with Flowers as far as the, the, the talent on the field last season. And um, I honestly think their worst signing was Demarius Thomas. I mean, I think it's just a waste of everyone's time. He has nothing left in the tank. And that was clear last year before he tore his Achilles. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the signing doesn't make me mad. Because, like, there's no re- there's almost there's no reason not to do it at the same token. But, oh, yeah, no, the second it happened, I'm like, well, he's not making the team. Or at least, like, I'm not, I refuse to expect anything out of Demarius Thomas. Like, I, I just refuse to do it. Now, that being said, like, why not bring in another veteran to add to the pile of veteran receivers that come to the Patriots and they cut in training camp? If Demarius Thomas makes the team as, like, their fourth or fifth ride receiver, I wouldn't be shocked. Like I said, I refuse to expect anything. And I, I think he might have a hard time even just making the team over, like, a Bruce Ellington or, a guy, like, a, a guy who can add special teams value and a guy who can return. But... I mean, like, I, the, the signing doesn't make me mad. <laughs> like, you seem kind of put out by it. I, I don't mind. Like, he's there. You can have 90 guys on your team. I mean, to me, it, it just seems like it's not going to work with the position. It's it's kind of, I, I just think it's a waste of time. I mean, look, I mean, his numbers went way down last year. Even when he got to Deshaun Watson, the numbers didn't change. If anything, he was less productive there in Houston. And, 
Uh, you know, obviously he's the second wide receiver in that offense, and he was the first in Oakland. But I mean, you, you talk about now he's 31; he just tore his Achilles. I mean, I just don't think that's that's a player you should spend time on. And I, I absolutely do not think he'll be on the receiver. No, no chance he will be on the roster opening day because I believe like almost oh, none of his contract is guaranteed, but it's worth five million. So like, there's no way that's on the roster. It's worth it's worth six million, and like almost all of it is roster bonuses and. So there is no way that that stays on the roster. That's so easy to cut. It would almost be no. stupid to keep. No, I don't. No, I don't. Oh, I don't. No, I don't. I, I, I saw it from day one. I'm like, well, this this isn't happening. But hey, I mean, now they've had Eric Decker and Demarius Thomas, so they brought in the entire 2013 Broncos receiving core, and they've had Wes Welker. They've had the whole thing, so uh, never say that Peyton had better weapons, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're just doing uh, Josh McDaniels a favor, in my opinion here. But, you know, lastly, before we get out of here, end it on a final grade for their offseason. What would you give them? Post-draft, I with everything that happened, I mean, I think they probably lost. I mean, I think some of the things are sort of out of their control. I mean, Gronk was going to retire. You couldn't do much about that. They probably could have made him retire sooner. I don't want to say that they couldn't retain Trey Flowers. I think that's too easy to give them the out and say, well, they couldn't possibly because I don't think what he got paid was unreasonable. And there is a part of me that wishes that the Patriots had just given him that money. But like Trent Brown, like they were never going to give Trent Brown that kind of money. So it's and like I said, the offseason is not over yet. So my grade is subject. Right now they're at a B post-draft. I don't. I wouldn't have given them a grade pre-draft. And now it's yeah, like a B. Like I said, it's very, it's very subject to change right now. Uh, we actually have breaking Patriots news as as we're recording this podcast. They've added to their O line. They added offensive lineman Jared Valdir from the Broncos, formerly Ooh, the Broncos and Cardinals. I know who he is. He's a tackle. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, I, I, it actually says they plan to sign him later this week. So your little uh, yeah, comp- good. I was I was gonna say I'm like you idiots. The comp pick it still counts towards the comp picks, Bill. How do you not know that? I know that. No, okay, cool. All right, so there you have it. <laughs> they're like they're like stand outside and come in on on May 9th and we'll sign you. So I uh, I'll give you the chance. Do you want to revise your grade B plus now that they free in Valdir or say no, that's well, I mean, now they have Jared Valdir. Uh no. I mean honestly, like some people have been seeing if they were gonna eye a guy like him or Donald Penn. I like who they have at that spot already. I'd rather they you know, put their time into the two guys they drafted, but yeah, fine. I mean, yeah, fine. If they, think, if they can beat out somebody, then I mean, fine. I mean, good. Bring in all the talent you want. Yeah. Hey, another former Bronco, too. Let's go. Yeah. I, he, was I, he I, also on the 2013 Broncos? Wait a minute. What was he on the Broncos? I don't know. Maybe we should just keep bringing them in. It's Peyton Manning. Is he backup interest? Do you think he has some interest in being a backup? Or I don't know. I, I mean, to my knowledge, I mean, I think, I think Julius Thomas retired, but I mean, hey. Get him out of here. Yeah. Uh, the, no, the the battle between... Uh, Peyton Manning can't get in there. The battle between the two next Tom Brady's, Danny Etling and uh, Jared Stidham, is going to be too too intense for Peyton Manning to handle well, there. Not, so that, I mean, I like Stidham. I do like Stidham. No, I mean, I, I'm not looping them in together, but I will... But. I mean, everybody was saying the same stuff about Danny Elling. We're not going to spend too much time on Danny Elling. we got to end the podcast. Uh, and just, I, I give them yeah. a B as well. I think there's some significant downgrades that we talked about, but um, I think the only glaring hole to me that I look at is tight end. So I, I think that all the other positions are good and filled. I really yeah. like their linebacking core with Bentley in there. Um, they do need to eventually replace Hightower, but uh, overall Hightower, Van Noy, Bentley, I think that's a good group. Yeah. And, you know, I think they have a lot of young players that are going to be able to uh, get a chance to establish themselves on the team, and I think that influx of youth is necessary. But I don't give them an A just because of the fact that remains that yeah. the talent, a, a lot of talent went out the door, not a lot came back, at least through free No agency. Patriots offseason ever gets an A for me either, just because they always do things that they know are going to work and I don't know are going to work. 
Like they never blow like they, they'll never blow you away during the off. Like this was the most excited I've ever been during a Patriots draft because they added D line help that got me excited. Yeah, because that's where we're at. What's going to decide the off season is whether these draft picks hit or not, and that's going to need to be you know yeah, that's absolutely gonna, that's going to have to happen for them. Um, so uh, all right. That's it. That's the Patriots offseason recap done. Thank you, Jake, for joining me. As always, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I always drag this podcast on too long, I feel like, but thank you. <laughs> okay, guys. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake R. Elmsley. And make sure, like I said, check out the stadium experience. Great show. Um, and make sure to check out the mock draft spectacular next year because I'm sure it will be just as good as this year's was. Yes. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger ends up on the Patriots again. I don't know. We, we, did, we didn't get we did get it wrong. We did. I mean, Jake, you alluded to it later. Maybe people didn't know what you were talking about. Jake Bailey. Uh, he, you know, he noted he you noted that punter Jake Bailey was a first round talent. He may or may not have been. I DM'd him on Twitter. I'm trying to get him to come on my show. He may or may not have been mock drafted into the uh, first round of our mock draft spectacular. I'm like, you don't get it, Jake Bailey. We are your biggest right. fans. You need to come on. This is the official radio show of Jake Bailey. Like, you got to get on here. Like, so uh, I, he did not. That's what, but that's His Twitter DMs are open though. That's one of the things that happened there. But keep an eye out for that. You follow Jake on Twitter. Maybe he has. Uh, maybe he has Jake Bailey on there, and you can. You, you're gonna want to listen to that if that ends up manifesting itself. So be sure to keep up with that. You can also follow me on Twitter at KJDLGBS. Follow the pod on Twitter at Apple Get Smart Pod. Check out everything at Guy Boston Sports. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.